Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. It was 2009. Remember it was like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. I was standing a couple of houses down from my house in Plano, Texas. It's a suburb of North Dallas. In my hand, I'm holding this piece of paper, and what it is, it's a mental health warrant. Um, It is a, it's pretty much what happens whenever people decide that you're crazy and you need the white coats to come and get you and take you away to where you can get the proper help that you need. This mental health warrant was for my mother. I remember a few months prior to that, It started with something small. She had bought a present for a friend at a store and misplaced it at a gas station and came home convinced that somebody had singled her out and stolen it out of her car. I didn't think it was anything. I even helped her back, guide back, trace back to where it was from and helped her find the item where she brushed it off. Then it turned into one night she came to me and she said that she had found leaves in her bed. Asked me if I'd put them there. I said, no. No, I wasn't the one who put them there. I don't know what she's talking about. And then the next day, I found leaves in my bed. I was like, okay, crazy. You know, we're going to push, push them out, you know, and we're going to kind of forget about it. And then I remember one night, she came into my room. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. I was laying in bed, and she was in just completely overwhelmed, uh, I want to say furious, but not in an angry way, just kind of in a whirlwind of fear. And she was so afraid, but she wouldn't tell me what. And I was 17 at the time, so I was very selfish. And I was just like, Mom, get out of my room. I'm trying to sleep. Go, get out. I'm trying to sleep. And she's like, you don't even care. Shuts the door, runs out. And then it got worse. It got worse to the point where not only was she convinced that there were people after her, but one night in particular where she was convinced that me and some of my friends had poisoned her and then was convinced that I was actually out to kill her myself. And she put me in a corner and threatened me to admit to things that I did not do, which in turn was being out to kill her, which is something that she wanted me to admit to. And in a power struggle and my own fear of my mother, who was supposed to be this archetype of, you know, respect and everything that I had taught, you know, ended up turning into this horror. So... I was conflicted standing there with this warrant in my hand, waiting for the police to arrive. After everything that had happened, after sleeping with my door locked, I just wanted it to be done. And I knew that I needed to get away, but before I could do that, I needed to make sure that she got the help that she needed. So the police arrived, it was three police officers. Uh, The main officer, the constable, was a older gentleman gray hair, glasses. I hand him the warrant, he takes a look at it, I explain to him the situation, it's my mother, and he says, does she have any weapons on her? 
And I said, yes, yes, she will have weapons on her. And the two cops that were with him, <laughs> whatever, that's not, that's not going to happen. And they said, okay, well, let's go ahead and go inside. Let's go ahead and go get your crazy mother. You know, let's go. And, uh, and I said, okay, here's, here's the warrant. Here's the keys to the house. Go on in. You know, I'm going to wait out here. And they said, no, no, you have to go inside with us. We're not doing this without you. So I'm walking with the three police officers behind me, my cavalry, up these steps to my house, each step heavier and heavier. And this woman had become the epitome of all of my nightmares. Even to this day, I still have nightmares you know, about her and her fury. We walk in. And I remember she's laying on the floor in front of the entertainment center reading the Bible. And I walk in and I say, Mom, I'm sorry, but this is for your own good. Three police officers come in. They say, Miss Routh, we have a warrant here to take you in. You need to come with us. And my mother starts to get up off the ground and the police officer, the constable, he says, oh, wait, wait, wait. And he reaches down and he pulls out a kitchen knife about that long. She had been concealing it underneath her hip there while she was reading the Bible. He picked it up and he said, what are you gonna do with this? And he set it on the entertainment center next to the TV and the two other police officers who had joked about it before both looked at me. They get her up, they put her in handcuffs and they're getting ready to walk her out the door. Me and my mom are arguing back and forth. And she goes, I have a warrant for him. Shit. This is not good. Before I had told you that my mother had threatened me to admit to things that I had not done, the warrant that she spoke of was the instrument of said threatening. The rule was, if I didn't admit to it, I was going to get put away. So I'm free the fuck out now. I'm sitting there and the cops are, they don't know who or what is going on at this point. All they know is that there's a son and a mother and they've both got mental health warrants for each other and they're both claiming that the other one is crazy and they don't know what to do. And I didn't know what to do. I felt powerless. My mom tells them that it's in her purse. They bring her purse out. They start to try to dig through it while she's there in handcuffs. She ends up getting frustrated when they can't find it and reaches down while in handcuffs and grabs it out of her purse with her teeth and brings it out. And I think at that moment when the constable saw that, I think he saw who the real crazy one was just by like the amount of desperation she was grabbing for that warrant. The police officer looks over the warrant and looks at my looks at my mother, looks back at me, and he says, Miss Ralph, this warrant is incomplete. And my mother goes, so does that mean he just beat me to the punch? She goes, the other half of the warrant, my, my boss Amy has the other half of the warrant. I gave it to her in case anything happened to me. She could put it with mine, and they could know that it was him who did it. And that was it. Police officers had heard enough, and I saw a lot more than I wanted to. They take her out the door, 
Me and my mother have a very brief back and forth at that moment. And I try to follow them out as they're going out the front door. And I try to follow, and the main police officer puts his hand out, like, stop. And he just had this look, like, what the fuck is going on, you know? Why are you even in this, why are you even in this mess? And I could see it behind his eyes. And I didn't, I didn't have the answers for him. And he asked me if I had somewhere safe to go. And I told him I did. And they shut the door. And I remember this really defining moment for me now was I was standing in the front door and we had this like ripple glass door. It didn't have any color. It just was, you know, distorted, you know, like uh, raindrops. And I could see the flashing red and blue and white lights. And I saw their shadows disappear down the drive and I saw their lights fade out. And I don't know how long I stood there before I realized that I needed to get the fuck out as quickly as I could. I grabbed a bag and of what little items that I actually had because we were actually very poor. We did not have a lot and I really didn't have that much either. I mean, the, the one pair of underwear that I did have had holes in it, you know, so like I literally had nothing. I left. And I moved 350-something-odd miles west to Midland, Texas, to live with my father. I arrived in Midland, Texas on March the 7th, 2009. And my mother was found dead in her apartment on March the 10th, 2009. She had committed suicide. It wasn't until later on after speaking with my mom's brother and his wife, that my mother's mental illness had been known since she was my age, 23, 24. And they were paying the bills and, you know, they just kind of had this rule. It was like, you know, go to counseling. We'll help take care of you. They even put the down payment on our house. You know, we'll help take care of you. You just take care of the kids. And, you know, and they put that faith and instilled that faith in her. And so... Looking back on it now, I think about how I didn't know anything, you know? I didn't understand exactly what was going on. I didn't know that my mother had been diagnosed a paranoid schizophrenic. I had no idea. You know, mental illness isn't something that's brought up to a kid at that age because it's not normally anything that you have to deal with. And... I remember that night when she tried to come into my room and was convinced that there were people after her in the fear, you know, that she had. And, it, and every time I think about it, it's like I'm getting stabbed in the gut. Just every time, because all I can think about is those fucking words. You know, I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to sleep. God. You know, I didn't care. Because I didn't know. And that's guilt, what that really is, right there. And I gotta carry that, that's, it's been seven years on this, this coming March, in March 2016. I think back to those 
that moment whenever she was walking out of the house and the police had her in handcuffs and they were walking her out the front door and we had this very brief exchange and I told her that I was leaving and and she, you know, threatened me, whatever. It's like, you're not going anywhere, you know. And I looked at her and I didn't know that they were going to be my last words to her. But I think it counts for something. Because I told her, I love you, Mom, but you need help. 